It is a privilege, and I thank you all, and thank the Lord for allowing me to be here uh, this morning, and thank the church for their hospitality. I've enjoyed that. The hotel was very nice, and so was supper last night. Um, if you would, turn with me to uh, Romans chapter 3. <clears throat> Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and uh, starting in verse 9, the Bible says, What then are we better than they? No, in no wise we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one that understandeth, there is no one that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, there are all, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues which they Excuse me, their tongues they have used deceit, the poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have they know excuse me, they know not. They have not have they not known, I'm sorry. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith unto them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. We're going to endeavor, Lord allowing, this morning to talk about salvation through faith and not of works. That is something that you will come across if you talk to very many people in the world. You ask them, are you saved? Well, I've been baptized. Or, well, I, you know, I've been pretty good this week. I think I'll be okay. And uh, matter of fact, I have talked to people and they say, you know, I hope I'm saved. You know, they believe that they can lose their salvation. But we know that's not the case. Once saved, always saved is, is a terrible thing, you know, that people think about because it has a connotation of I'm going to get saved on Sunday and then Monday I'm going to go out and do just who knows what and who, and who cares because I'm saved. And that's a terrible thing, isn't it? Once saved, always saved is a wonderful principle because once you're saved, you are in the hand of God and no one can pluck you out. The hand of God is, is something that, that is untouchable by anything. We are once saved, always saved, but that, but if you're truly saved, you don't want to go out and do whatever in the world, do you? 
So that's what we're going to talk about this morning as the Lord allows. We're going to start in verse 9 here. It says, What then are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. We are all sinners. And we does not a speck of good in us, is it? Without God, we would be to our own devices. We're going to get to that here in a second. But we see here, it says that all men can be saved, not just the Jews. The Bible says we to the Jews also and, and unto the Greeks, is it not? Or to the Gentiles, I should say. And praise the Lord, because I'm a Gentile. I'm not, there's no Jewish lineage in, in my family tree. And praise the Lord that he opened it up to the Gentiles as well. To the Jew first and also to the Gentile. It says here, are we better than they? No, we're not, are we? Because all have sinned and under the law, we're all the same. We all deserve to go to hell. Because that's what the law said. The law said, if you sin, you must be punished. Now, I, I, I had this thought when I was reading verse 9. It says, are we better than they? And I just, you know, I've talked to people and I, I was telling them last night, I have a one of my friends, matter of fact, he's a groomsman on a wedding, but he's Southern Baptist. And his dad, you know, we don't agree on everything doctrinally, but he's a good friend and we were, we're working on him. But uh, we go back and forth sometimes about uh, different things. And, does, you know, does that mean that I'm better than him because I'm a missionary Baptist and he's a Southern Baptist? No. Does that mean that I'm better than I work with a Methodist at work? And am I better than her because she's a Methodist? No. Are we better than the Catholics? No. We're all sinners. In the eyes of God, every one of us are the exact same in that regard. We're all under the law and we're all sinners. And by that, we should all go to hell. No one is better simply because of what they believe. We're all sinners. And I think it would, it's, it's good to remember that sometimes. Because it's easy to, you know, to get in and be like, well, you know, they're just Southern Baptists. Or, well, they just don't believe this. No, we're all the same in the eyes of God. And we all need to treat each other well. And we're going to see that here in just a moment as well. well actually, that's in tonight's sermon. But nonetheless, um, let us, left to ourselves, we would not seek God. It says we love God because he first loved us, not the other way around. We don't love God. There's no reason for us to love God left to our own devices. Because God is righteous. And when God is light in a dark room, and whenever he steps in, we can see how terrible we are. When you're around somebody who knows everything, don't you try as hard as you can to get away from those people? Because there's nothing that you that they don't already know. And that is exactly how we are when it, with, with God. God does know everything. And we don't like that because he's showing us our impurities and, what, and how we aren't perfect. And we don't like to think that as humans, do we? And that's why whenever you see the Romans or the Greeks and their pantheons of God, every one of their gods has a flaw. And they're people just like us because they're easier to, like, yeah, yeah, Zeus is just like me. I'm, I'm pretty good because if Zeus did it, then how come I can't? We can't say that about our God, can we? God says, be ye holy as I am holy. Be ye righteous as I am righteous. Our God is a perfect God, praise the Lord. Verse 13 says, their throat is an open sepulchre. Let's do verse 12 again. They are all gone out of the way. They are 
together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, and their tongues have they used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and they and the way of peace have they not known. I got it this time. And the, but the, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Then that's how we were before we were saved, was it not? There is no reason for us to come close to God because man in his carnal state is at an enmity with God. Turn with me to Romans in chapter 8. Romans in chapter 8, starting in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in flesh cannot please God. And brothers and sisters, we are here in the flesh, aren't we? And we am above ourselves cannot do anything. Isaiah 64 says our good works are as filthy rags before God. And if you die here without the faith in Jesus Christ, in the blood that has washed us cleanse of our sins, and you go to God with your handful of good works, He's going to say, what am I to do with these? These are dirty rags. These are, these are nothing. And He'll cast us into hell. And, he, and you know what? He's right in doing that, isn't He? Because God is a just God. And that's exactly what we deserve. But praise the Lord, He's also a merciful God. And He give us a way through Jesus Christ to be saved. It says in verse 19, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith unto them that are under the law, but that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. We said the law is what points out that we're sinners. According to the law, each and every one of us should go to hell, and, you know, some people say, well, what about those people in, off in the African jungle or those islands that we haven't been to? What about them? Nobody has reached those people. How do they know that they're sinners? And i tell you what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, if you just flip over. Starting in verse 11, it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Here we go. For, sorry, I stopped too soon. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. We, as humans, we are created by God. And we have the law within ourselves, whether we know it or not. If you go to these remote places, they still punish people who steal and they still punish people who lie and they punish people who murder each other. And because of that, they do, by nature, the things in the law, they become a law unto themselves. And the law says you sinned and you must die. And it is only through faith that we may be saved. Not of works. It is through faith. Faith. Verse 22, it says, Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. God is so perfect that it is evident, even without the law, 
But because of the law and because of the prophets, we can more easily identify God's perfectness, can't we? Because God is, is, is to use a, uh, a carpenter term, he's plumb right up against the law, isn't he? He's, he's right there, and there's not, a, there's not a gap in between God and the law. Because God has never wavered, and he's not varied from it. For God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God gave us the law way back when, and he's the same God way up here and then way in the future. Our God will not vary. Our God is the same, and his law stands. In verse 22, it's, uh, it says, Even the righteousness of God, which by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus, is, up, is unto all and upon all them that believe. If you believe in God and you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, the righteousness of God and the righteousness of Jesus is ascribed unto you. So when God looks down, he sees no difference in you between you and Jesus. You're both just as sinless and perfect as anything has ever been. Because God takes away your sins from your account. Because when you die and you're before that judgment seat in Christ, Jesus is going to stand there. He's going to say, that one is mine. I've taken the penalty for his sins. I, sinless, went through sin and that way he would not have to. Jesus Christ died and buried and rose again on the third day so that we would not have to go and go to hell. And that's exactly where we all belong. Is it not hell? Verse 24 being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be justified and the justifier of them which believeth in Jesus." Through faith in the blood of Jesus, we have the righteousness of God. All people are depraved and carnally minded without God. And Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we may stand spotless in the eyes of God. And because of that, we should be the ambassador, as the brother said, of Christ, should we not? When you're out and about, people should be able to tell that you're different. They may ask why, and what a wonderful blessing it is to be asked why you do what you do. Because that's nothing but a golden opportunity to be able to witness to somebody. Maybe invite them to church. That the Lord will show you and, and allow as, as that time comes for you. But we are to stand different in the world. To declare, I say, at this, at this time of righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. We are justified by God. And God is just in justifying us, is he not? We who believe in Jesus Christ are saved and we don't have to worry about what happens. David said, if I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I am on wings of eagles, thou art there. If I'm in the far west, you are there. doesn't matter where we go, Jesus is with us and in us, as the brother said. Whether you're one, two, or three, God's going to be in the midst of you and the midst of your company because we are saved. Now, verse 27 and 28 is where a lot of people stop right there. They stop a little shy of that because the next one kind of can step on some toes. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. 
By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. How many religions do we have today that say you must do this and you must do that and you must be this and you must be that to be saved? Praise the Lord, it's not about that because I'd still be lost. Where is boasting then? It is excluded because we did nothing. We couldn't have went, and even if we were died on the cross, because there are many martyrs that died on the cross. Jesus is not the only person. And the two, the two thieves died on the cross. One of them went to heaven and one of them didn't. It's not about the cross. It's not about dying. It's about what Jesus did on that cross and his whole life up to that point being sinless and perfect and fulfilling the law of the prophets. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the cross that has power. So you see people with the crosses on it. That's like a lucky like a lucky charm, isn't it? Just like the children of Israel, when they were losing the battle, they said, go get the Ark of the Covenant, and they brought it out. And you know what? They still lost. Because the power isn't the item. The power is what the, who's behind those items, is it not? The cross in and of itself can and will not save you. It's that Jesus died upon that cross living a sinless life, and his life was perfect. And in accordance to God, that we might be saved. You know, where where I live at, I, I told them last night at supper, uh, uh, when I moved in, the English population raised up quite a bit because I'm in a big Amish community. Um, and so I see them all the time. And the Amish's whole life is about trying to get to heaven. They don't have cars because that, that's sin. They could be tempted of sin, so that's why they don't have cars. Uh they men this is a fun fact you may not know men's clothes have buttons and women's clothes don't because a woman can't wear what a man wears so men have buttons and women's don't they do that so that way they might go to heaven and at the end of these uh, the amish uh, the amish person's life if they die and they've never truly put their faith in the lord jesus christ it doesn't matter that they never were in a car that they never had buttons on their clothes they're going to hell because it's not about works because if they if it was of works they could say well look at me Look at me, my wife doesn't wear buttons. Look at me, I don't even have a car. There's no way for me to go down to the bar. I don't even have a car to get there. I guess, I don't know about walking. I guess I can't walk into sin. you got to drive there. But where is the boasting? Like the brother said, I believe he said you drive 70 miles. And if that was what saved you, you could say, look at me. Look at my gas bill every month. Look how high that is. But no, there is no boasting in that, is it? And praise the Lord, brother. I'm not saying you shouldn't come to church. But praise the Lord that you're willing to do that. And because you have your faith in the Lord and Jesus Christ is up on all them that believe. We are righteous in the eyes of God because of that. Not because of anything that we've done. If you don't mind, I'm going to share with you my personal um, salvation, my personal uh, testimony. Um, so I was... So I was saved in 2021 and i've i've spent more of my life unsaved than i have saved at this point and um of course my dad's been a pastor as long as i can remember i think he was ordained in 02 when i was born in 2000 so i there was a couple years where he wasn't a pastor but i was too young to remember but my whole life i've been in church and my dad's been my pastor for the grand majority of that time so i know the truth i knew it forwards and backwards I mean, I'm saying I don't now, but I realize how much I don't know now. <laughs> when I was lost, I had it all figured out. You know, I knew what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. And in school, you know, we, the curriculum we used, it had a bunch of Bible verses in it. And I have actually, I still have the Bible. It's got all kinds of tab marks at the top of stuff we had to memorize. 
But that didn't mean a single thing because it was all works. I had people ask me, you know, you know, what's your, you know, because everyone assumed I was saved. Now, what's your salvation story? I, I, I never said I was saved, but I would say things in a certain way to make people think that I was saved. And um, throughout that time, I, I did want to be saved and I knew that I was lost. And dad had talked to me. My grandfather had talked to me. You know, there was uh, particular brothers and sisters that, you know, hey, they, they knew. They said they were praying for me every time I saw them. They were praying for you for years and years and years. But I wasn't saved and I wanted to be saved. And I'd asked the Lord, you know, like, Lord, I want to be saved. And nothing had nothing happened. I felt just the same at the beginning of that prayer as I did at the end. And I just didn't know what I was doing wrong. I was doing everything that I knew to be saved. And after a while, you know, my sister was saved before me. She's two years younger than I am. And she uh, she was saved at eight or ten. I don't remember now. It's been a while. And I wasn't saved at eight or ten. Pretty much everyone I knew. Dad was saved at like ten or twelve, I think. Everyone got saved so early in life. And I just, I wasn't. And I thought, well, you know, I knew that you can be saved later in life. But I just thought, why, why not me? And so I, I got discouraged. And I, I'd almost given up. I thought, well, I guess I guess it's not for me. I guess I'm not in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then, and then one day the Lord started working on me. Praise the Lord. And then for about three months from the time it started, from the time that I acquiesced to the Lord, I guess you could say, and I just give up. It took about three months because I'm a stubborn fellow. And... Uh, it was actually at a conference at Faith, and I couldn't tell you what the guy preached or who he was, but I know that the Lord started to use, use that at that time, and He started working on me. And it, and I, you know, just kind of was didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know what I needed to do, and I knew, you know, I knew you got to believe on Jesus with all your heart. That's what the Bible says. And I was like, well, okay, I do, I do that now. I do, and it's just that's not how it works. And so for three months, and I. I promise you to me it felt like for those three months that every time dad preached he preached only the thing he preached about was salvation and he only looked at me while he was doing it it was only for me and every time i would listen and i'd be like, okay this is the one what do i need to do and i just I couldn't figure it out and then about about a week before i uh surrendered I, dad preached a message again and i just and at that point we started recording because of covid and everything we started putting everything on facebook for those that couldn't come and so I, I pulled it up on Facebook, and at that time I had a job where I was driving around quite a bit, and so I had it in the car, and I was listening to it, and I just listened to that message two or three times that week, and I thought, what am I doing? Then? There's got to be something I'm missing here because I want to be saved, and I feel the Lord's dealing with me. I don't know how to be saved. And then at the, at the end of that week, uh, Wednesday, he preached another message right at me, and then next Sunday morning, he preached another one, just salvation, salvation, salvation. And during that message, I just, I was sitting there and I just thought, Lord, I, I give up. There isn't a thing in this world that I can do. There isn't a thing in this world that I can give you. There's nothing about me that you should or would want. I said, I give up. And I, I just, and I went forward and I said, I give up. I said, I'm giving myself to the Lord. I don't know what he wants. <laughs> he won't leave me alone though. Praise the Lord. I, but that's what that's that's my salvation story. And when I surrendered to preach, it was very similar. 
the Lord, you know, I, I kind I had an idea that the Lord was going to call me to preach. Just after I was saved, after a little bit, I just kind of had this inkling. I guess you could say. Again, I was at faith, and somebody was talking, and I just it kind of got that feeling. So I got to quit going to faith. But anyway, uh, I was there, and the preacher was talking. And I thought, well, you know, I, I hadn't been saved that long. I, Lord doesn't want me. And that was a pretty good excuse for a really long time. <laughs> I talked to dad about it. You know, he kind of knew something was happening. And I told him, because he's my pastor as well, he, as the brother said. But I talked to him about it. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like maybe this is, you know, maybe this is going to happen. He's like, okay. You know what? You can't really do anything for anybody in that situation. He encouraged me to pray about it and seek the Lord. I was trying not to. <laughs> I didn't want to be a preacher. <laughs> My dad was a pastor, and I've seen what that, you know, the hardships that that is. And I said, Lord, I don't think I want that. I don't think I want that. And so the Lord uh, kept kept putting it on my heart, kept working it on me. And so I was getting, you know, in the process of getting married. Today's 20 days. I looked it up today. So I get 20 days, I'm getting married. And I didn't want her to be surprised the day after. <laughs> so I told her, I was like, listen, I don't know what's happening, but I think this might be happening. I was like, it's not going to happen right now, though, because I'm not prepared. And the Bible says, you know, not not to be a novice. That's one of the qualifications to be a pastor and a pre, not to be a pastor. And I was like, it's, you know, I was like, I'm not a pastor. I was like, but, you know, the Lord can start, you know, might start moving me in that direction. I just want you to know, leave now. You don't want to keep going. <laughs> and uh, I was like, but I'm, you know, I'm just not ready right now. And uh, she said something. She took away my excuse. She said, the Lord doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the call. And from then on, I didn't have an excuse. Because every time I said, Lord, I'm just not ready. I don't know. why." He's like, well, I don't don't call the prepared. I prepare the called. And so uh, this time at a different church, but I was at a conference at uh, New Testament. And it was a unique uh, uh, monthly fellowship. There wasn't any preaching. It was just people giving their testimonies. And two or three in, the Lord just said, it's your turn. I want you. And I said, Lord, I give up. (laughs) There's nothing I can do. But I trust you. And it's a scary thing to trust in the Lord. Because the Lord doesn't come down in orientation and hand you a life plan and say, well, all right, from this year to this year, we're going to be doing this. And I need you to work on these areas. You don't get... You don't get a plan, and I'm a, I, I'm not necessarily a planner, but I like to have a plan. But the Lord doesn't work that way, and so I said, "Lord, I give up. I'm all yours. Take me and use me how you see fit." And I say that not to brag, not of boasting. I did everything I could to avoid it. I promise you. If it was up to me, I I wouldn't be a preacher. That being said, I praise the Lord. It's been a blessing so far. You know what little bit of time that I have been surrendered. It's been a blessing, and I praise the Lord for this and this opportunity. But I, when I started off, I didn't want to be this. I just being honest with everybody, and when and that's how it is. Whenever you're whenever you're lost, you don't you don't see a reason to be saved because when you're saved, you got to put away all that sin, and sin's a whole lot of fun. It can, or it can be, can it? But just like the fine print at the bottom of credit cards and loans and stuff, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you a whole lot more than you ever wanted it to cost you. 
So the Bible says, wherefore is the bo- where is the boasting then? It is excluded because of faith. For by faith are you saved through faith, not of your works, lest any man should boast. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. And we God is gracious and merciful unto us. And he give us his son down the cross. And if you're lost here, I encourage you to believe on him because that faith is the only thing that will keep you out of hell. There's not money when you die. There's no purgatory. There's no way for your family to pay your way. I talked to a, I talked to a fellow the other day. He's opening up a theater in Hopkinsville, but he's a Mormon. And he's the Mormon president for this area or for my, the area I'm in. And so we got to talking the other day and he was just telling me what, what they believe. Because Mormons is one of those things you just kind of always stay away from because you know it's wrong. But I didn't know exactly what exactly it was that they believed. And he was telling me. And they believe, he said, they believe in vicarious works. And they're the, they're the people that go through and they baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. And when they get done with you, and they baptize you for your mama and your daddy and your sister and everybody. And that's what's going to get you out of hell. And that's what they believe the millennial, the millennial reigns for. During that time, everybody's going to be baptized for everyone that's already died. And there's not a person that's going to go to hell, they said. Oh, what a, where's the, but can't you boast in that? Hey, I got baptized for me, Sally Sue, Uncle Don, Aunt Frank, you know, all these people. Ah, they're in heaven because of me. And when you get to heaven, you get to walking up there. Look what I did. Oh, you know, where's my thank you cards at, right? No, where's the boasting? Then we can't boast. If you're saved here today, you know that there is no boasting. Because if I've seen, if people give their testimonies, you always run from it. Now, some people run harder and longer than others, but you all run. We do run, don't we? Even if you want to be saved, there's something you've got to do. You just, it's scary because you know you're going to have to put away that old man. But he's still there with us, isn't he? And that's why once saved, always saved is a kind of a dangerous philosophy. Because yes, I'm saved and all things have become new, but I'm still the same man that I was before I accepted the Lord. And when I would do good, evil is present with me. And if you're saved here tonight, or this morning, if you're saved here this morning, you want to put away that man. And you want to lock him up. And just like when Jesus healed that blind man, he threw away his old garment and got a new one. And that's what we ought to want to do if you're truly saved here this morning. It says here in The next verse, verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? No. As we said, praise the Lord. He's also the God of the Gentiles. And when it talks about here the circumcision or the uncircumcision, that is the also Jews and Gentiles, but also the old law and the new law, isn't it? Now, every one of us here is, is under the, the old law. We're under the law that God has given his people. But when you're saved, you have, that law is perfect. You have accomplished that law. And we're under the, the new law, or the New Testament, as it's as we say, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
We will be judged in accordance with the law given under the Old Testament. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're under the New Testament, spotless before God, who sees Jesus as a propitiation for our sins, as we've just said. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. And I encourage you, um, a few months ago, he did an excellent job, uh, Brother Stephen Dewberry preached a message at Olmstead about the, or is it Northside, excuse me, about the New Testament and the Old Testament and some of the more intricate parts of that. Wonderful message. I encourage you to, to ask him when he's down to give you his notes on that one. I almost asked him for his notes for this message, but I decided not to, to steal from him since he was coming in a couple weeks. But uh, Hebrews chapter 9, starting in, in verse 15. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Wherefore, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. Blood is required that a testament must take effect. And if you are saved, you are under the blood of Jesus and you are under the New Testament. If you're not saved here, you are not under the blood of Jesus Christ. And by, by the word here, you can't be under the New Testament. You will be judged in accordance with the old law. And the Ten Commandments say you are a sinner. You know, I don't want to, nobody raise your hand, but how many of us have lied, have cheated? How many of you have accidentally taken an ink pen from that guy's desk at work? Now, you didn't mean to, but you took it, didn't you? That's, that's what we call a little white sin, right? That, that's okay. You know, you may not meant to, but according to the law, stealing is stealing. And if you do the crime, you do the time, right? And the time is that you need to go to hell. We come, we're not many days out in the world and already we're crying and lying. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? We have no hope of ever fulfilling the law because the law required flesh to be perfect. And we are everything but that. There are many things that as humans we are. Perfect has never, ever been one of those things. The Old Testament requires the flesh, the old man, to be perfect to get to heaven. And no man has ever accomplished that. Jesus Christ came and took on flesh and did that. And then died, and so that way the New Testament may take, may take effect in your life. So that you were not under the old law, but you were under the blood of Jesus Christ, which fulfilled the law. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9 here, just a little base down in verse 18, it says, Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats and with water and with scarlet wool, with hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined you. And that is the testament you're under if you're not saved here this evening, this morning. Sorry, I'm usually preaching in the evening time, so it's just habit. <clears throat> we are under the blood of Jesus Christ if we're saved here. Not because of works, not because we deserve it, not because there's anything in us that God would have wanted. What about you makes you think that you're good enough for God? 
Do you think, did you walk around, you know, some people walk around with their handful of dirty rags and say, well, look at this one, and look at this one, and look at this one, and look at this one. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many dirty rags you shove in my face, you're still, it's still dirty rags. When you get done with dirty rags, you throw them away, don't you? When that sock that you've been dusting everything with finally wears out, you throw it away. And that's exactly what Jesus does with our good works. Depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. These are nothing to me. God walks on, God in heaven will walk on gold so pure that it's clear. God doesn't need your filthy rags. And if you're lost here today, you need to have the faith in Jesus Christ. In, Ro, in uh, Romans, if you flip back, not Romans, I'm sorry. Yes, Romans, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> Chapter 4 in, the, in verse 1, continuing on from the, the chapter we were just reading in, in 3. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. <clears throat> Excuse me. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but out of debt, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Do you know why your good works cannot satisfy the law? Because they're not you're it's a it's a debt. And that debt is far greater than anything that you could ever do. And if you're under the new law, God still demands us to be perfect and to be good because that the debt has been paid for us and our sins. Abraham believed and trusted in God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham had faith that Jesus would come in the same way that we have faith that Jesus has already come. Faith is the powerful tool unto salvation is it not and we can only have faith in god because he loved us first for we love him because he loved us faith in god is belief that what he says is true and there is not a doubt in my mind that this is the word of god and you know i, I don't know if you heard this but I, i'm going to say this too you know the bible says that god is love and the Bible also says that God is the word. So that means that these words are love. And when you read these words, you are in the love of God. And God is showing his love to you. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. What... Uh, What's more precious to us than life? Here, for this man that we have, this, this flesh, what's, there is nothing greater than life. If, would you give a million dollars to stay alive? Would you give two million dollars to stay alive? There's no amount that somebody could give you to make you want to not be alive, is it? Because what's the point? And the same with our soul. For what shall a man gain, give in exchange for his soul? Yet even the whole world, it profit us nothing. Because when you die, you will go to hell. Hell is the absence of God, the opposite of heaven, the eternal presence of God versus the absence of God. Verse 6 says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of man, the blessedness of the man 
unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord will not impute sin. It says here, faith is better than works. Because works you do out of debt, faith you have because of love. It is a much more, now I'm going to speak somewhat hypothetically in my life, and y'all can validate it here, but it is much better, it feels a lot better to bring your wife a dozen roses than to give the bank man a check, right? (laughs) One you do because you love your wife. One you do because if you don't, the bank man is going to come and take your keys away from the house, isn't you? And that's, that's how it is with Jesus. Through faith, we give Jesus our roses in this scenario. We give Jesus something out of love. We give him our good works. We give him our perfection. We give him our holiness because as he is holy, we should be holy. And we do everything we can to please God. As the brother said, he stepped over both of my messages. I don't even know why I'm here. Brother had it all covered in Sunday school. We, we want to strive for God. And we want to strive for the perfectness that God has. And we do that not because we owe it to God, but because we love God. In the law, we owe it to the law. The law says, thou shalt not, and we better not. And if we we do, we go to hell. But with God, we have love. And with God, he loved us, and we love him, and he sent his son to die on the cross for us, so that we may be saved. And what a powerful thing that that is. Somebody died that we might not have to die. Somebody died so that we might live eternally in bliss and in harmony and in perfectness in ways that we can't even comprehend. Gold so so perfect it's clear. I don't understand. I can't wait to find out. Uh, heaven says has 12 foundations, each one an ember or a gem that I can't pronounce. Gates of pearl. In my mind, I, from what I read, it's going to be one solid pearl. It's not going to be like in the movies where it's got a bunch of pearls strung together. No, it says they're made of pearl. I think it's going to be one big pearl that these were carved out of from God's hand. Somebody died so that we might do that. If somebody died, now I was telling them I've never been to war, but you hear the stories of people who gave their life. There's a famous story of the man who had a grenade dropped in his foxhole and he jumped right on top of it. He's the only one that died. The rest of the people in his foxhole lived. How much do you think that we owe? How much of those people do you think they owed that man? How much do we owe our Heavenly Father because he is? He died for us? He sent his son to die for us. I think, and it's easy to say, isn't it? Oh yeah, Jesus died. So we wouldn't have to. But how often do we hear that? Do we become numb to the greatness and the fullness that that is? Somebody died that we might not have to. It is a powerful thing. And it is, and I'm saying this, you know, to me too, it's easy to say. And it's easy to forget how much and how important and how it's hard to describe. Put words to that, isn't it? Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And he went through hell so that we would not have to. He experienced the absence of God so that we would never have to. And the Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us. We are now in the presence of God at all times. Now, if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. Now, just said that there's nothing that we can do to be saved so that begs the question how do i be saved 
when I was in uh, Peru, um, down there with Brother Enrique, and um, he surprised me. Um, I was told we were going to like a youth event, and I was going to share my testimony. And then he surprised me on with saying I had to give a 15-minute devotion 30 minutes before we got there. And so uh, while we were down there, um, and then I got surprised again. After all that, there was a Q&A session with me. And so one of the one of the kids asked, he said, um, do you have to hit rock bottom to be saved? And I said, I can't speak for everybody, but I know for me, I did. And the more I think about that, the more I think we have to hit rock bottom before we're saved. Because if you haven't hit rock bottom, then you've got something to offer God, don't you? And you think, well, I'm, a, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at that. Yeah, why, why wouldn't you want this, right? When God saves us, it's not like athletes go into a college. They don't go, well, look at this, my dribbling percentage or my passing percentage or my RBIs. When God looks at us, there is nothing that he would want. And so for us to realize and know that, we have to hit rock bottom. And for me and my salvation, it took me three months to hit rock bottom and realize I don't get it. Why do you want me? I don't want me. If I was picking a team, I wouldn't, you know, there's not, it's below being picked last. God doesn't need you. He wants you. And what a difference that is. I need water. I want chocolate cake. <laughs> and to God, we're all chocolate cake, aren't we? God doesn't need us. There's nothing about us that we can give God to help him out. God wants us and he loves us. Acts chapter 16, verse 29. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. If you want to be saved, you must have the belief in Jesus Christ. And you must have the faith in Jesus Christ that he died for your sins. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want to believe in God, you have to confess all of your sins. And I believe it's Brother um, Clyde Hancock used to say, even the pet ones. Yeah, this one's not that bad. You know, everyone does it. No, we have to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Even the little white lies. <laughs> Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If you are lost here today, and you do want to be saved, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you must ask him to forgive you of your sins, and you must, and you need to do it while he may be found. Because the brother said, the Lord is coming back. And we know not the day nor the hour. 
And any man that says they do is a liar. And I can say that with full assurance. There have been several who've tried, and I'm still here. There is nothing in you that can make you saved. There is nothing in you that God would want to make you saved. But God sent his son into the world through love that we might be saved. We must believe in Jesus Christ. Do you truly believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ in the way that you believe and have faith in other things? When I get down and we go into the fellowship hall, when I sit back down, I don't even think about the chair that I'm sitting in breaking, really, do I? You just sit down. It's blind faith. And that's why Jesus said you must have be like these one of these, these little children. Because whenever you're holding a baby or a child and you make their plate for them and you set it down in front of them, they don't go, well, is this poisoned? Is this what I really need? Let's talk about this. No. They just take it and they eat it because they have complete and total faith in you. Because they are 100% dependent upon you for everything. From getting to where they're going to changing them when they use the bathroom to feeding them. In the same way that they're counting on you for their spiritual upbringing as well. And we should be that way with God. Do you believe in God so much that you don't even think about believing in God? Do you step out on faith without thinking about it, without worrying about it? I don't. I, I'm, a, I'm not a worry wart, but I'm whatever's right below worry wart. <laughs> I, I think and I want to have the plan. I'm a, I want to know the plan. But with God, it's about doing the next right thing. And sometimes you only get to know a little bit of what that next right thing is. And you need to do that in that moment. And God will take care of the rest later. Faith overworks. That doesn't say that we don't longer have to do works, is it? We are in this world and we are of the flesh. There's a thing, uh, a verse in the scripture, I believe we're going to get to it in the next uh, next service, but it says, if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat. That's a work, is it not? Working. <laughs> Getting a job, having enough money to support yourselves, or it's not about having a job, because like I said, when I was in Peru, there was a pastor there, um, Brother Hector. He, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have a job, as we would say. He lives in the jungle. He, he has a village there in the jungle, and he every morning he goes out and he catches fish and their fruit and he, he he provides for his family and he works in that way. And as a matter of fact, the brother by faith, they said whenever whenever he came with us because we needed him as a translator, he had been fishing for almost an, a week and packed it away in salt so his family could eat while he was gone. Faith is not by works. But we can show our faith through works, can't we? We are to be like, have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, all of these. These are works, are they not? It takes work to love somebody. It takes work to be gentle with somebody. Because there are people out there sometimes, as I say, sometimes people just have a face, don't they? You just look at them and you think, oh, I'm not going to like this person. And it takes work to be nice around that person, doesn't it? Because that person gets right underneath your skin and just, oh, you just want to let them know what for, don't you? And I've got a several, I don't want to say several people, that makes me sound like a terrible person, but there are people in my life like that. And it just, when I'm around them, it takes, you know, I just have to be focused on being a good person around them because they, 
they can get underneath my skin. And if I think if we're honest, we've all dealt with that person somewhere sometime, haven't we? Or like we said before, that know-it-all, man, those are hard, hard people to be around somebody who knows everything. Works not for salvation, but because of salvation. I don't want to discourage anyone here and say, you know, not of works and you just stop doing everything. Somebody's got to pay the light bill, don't we? Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins so that we may go to heaven and there's nothing that you can do about it. You, Jesus Christ will call you and you will answer the phone and you will say yes if he's called you. Just ask Jonah. Jonah said, nah, Jonah tried to run and Jonah still went to Nineveh. If the Lord has called you to a purpose, that purpose will be carried out by you whether you want to or not. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> this morning? If you're saved here, I know that you do. If you're saved here, we should all want to have more faith in Jesus Christ because getting more faith is work too, isn't it? And the problem with getting more faith is you have to be faith, more faithful and more faithful. <laughs> And it's a terrible thing once you start down that road because it's a terrible thing in the flesh because it's a scary, scary thing. Because one day you're just plugging right along and you've got your life plan laid out for you. You've got six or seven years worth of stuff planned out and you know this and that. And then the Lord, you start doing things for the Lord and the Lord start leading you and pretty soon the Lord here's the Lord's way and here's where you were going and after a while that just, just gets pretty scary. But faith in the Lord means you don't have to worry about it. Faith in the Lord means you can be bold in the path that the Lord has chosen for you. And we are called to boldness. Do we have enough faith to be bold this morning? Thank you, brother.